good with the scripture on it? If we do, good. If not, let's start. One day, Paul, who's a young believer at this time, right? He, he opens up. Oh, hang on. I'm not good with Okay, ADHD. <laughs> One day, Paul, as a young believer, you guys, he opens up the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads a prophecy, and on that day, his life changed, the course of missions forever changed, and the world as we know it changed from this text in Isaiah. We know about it from Romans 15, 20, and 21. I'm going to read it with, with you guys, if you don't mind. Thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, Isaiah 52, 15, those who have never been told of him will see, those who have never heard will understand. This God encounter that day changed Paul, and ripples to us today change, has changed us forever. Yeah. On that day, Paul realized God's intention was the nations and every individual person on earth. Now, Paul loved Jesus. He knew about preaching the gospel, but I'm going to make a, a little bit of a radical statement, but we'll tweak it, okay? The goal of missions and the goal of Paul's life was not to preach the gospel. It was not to preach the gospel. That was not the goal of his life. Wait a minute, John. Didn't Jesus command us to preach the gospel to every creature? Absolutely. But that's not the goal. That's the means. What's the goal? Can we go back, uh, brother, to uh, 1521? I want you to catch this, you guys. As Paul's reading Isaiah, it hit him. It's not just speaking the truth, right? Speak the truth in love. We know where to speak the truth. We know where to preach the gospel. But that's not the goal of missions. And it's certainly not the goal of vineyard missions. We're going to go higher. Look what Paul says. Look what the Spirit says. As it is written, those who have never been told of him will See? And those who have never heard will understand. The means is to preach the gospel to every creature. The goal, see, hear, understand. So it's more than words. It's visual somehow. It's more than visual and words. It's whatever we need to do to bring understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what Paul said before that? To those who have no foundation, who have not been preached to. I'm going to try this. I wasn't reading Isaiah, but I had a God, a God encounter that day, November, six years ago. And I'm a little embarrassed, but stay with me. I was in my little private throne room. Yeah, you know, the bathroom. <clears throat> and I was sitting, and my wife had strategically placed a piece of paper in front of, shall we say, the throne? We, it sounds better. 
and, and I'm, I'm in the phone and doing my thing, and, and, and I notice this paper. One side was a prayer letter from a friend. On the back was an unreached people profile on the curve. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this letter, and the spirit is tugging. And I start to weep. I'm starting to weep. As I hear of 40 million people, as many, they're not Canadians, as many Kurds as Canadians, 40 million. And I read deeper. And in one part of those 40 million in southeast Turkey, those who've never heard of Jesus, never seen, never understood who Jesus is, and then I heard the whisper of the Holy Spirit, John, I want you to go to Turkey this summer. Okay. So I come out of the bathroom, and I tell my bride, we're going to Turkey this summer. What are you talking about? You know, there's, you know, there's throne room things. They have to be explained a little bit and worked out. But bottom line is, six months later, we're on assignment from God. We don't know anybody in Turkey, don't know where to go, but God had started us. And by that time, we got our ticket, we knew we were to go to a city in the east called Vaughn, and I'm going to shortcut a beautiful trip. But on that trip, God showed us our specific assi assignment, where we are assigned to enable those Kurds to see, hear, and understand who Jesus is. So before I tell you specifically where, I want to tell you about a gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit that started my insight into how to be a Kurd to the Kurds, how to help them see, hear, and understand who Jesus is. And it has to do with a chair. Isn't Evan cute? You guys, he's such a, oh my goodness. Yeah, but like, I, I want to hold him, but it, it probably wouldn't preach well, but I'd probably scare him. So I'm on a chair. I'm on a, oh, sorry. I'm on a chair. We're invited. This is our first Kurdish home experience. And I had a microphone with me that day. No, it's our first Kurdish home experience. And they know we're Westerners. And so we had a nice dinner at the table, right? And we had, we went to the living room and sat on the couches. And it was nice, you know, nothing special. And then the Holy Spirit gave me a nudge. And it started insight into the Kurds. The Spirit nudged me to the floor. Right? Isn't that a spiritual moving experience? Yeah. I'm nudged to the floor. Everything broke. The head of the home, the man said, that's the Kurdish way. On the floor. You guys, what happened was so amazing. After that, plop, plop, fisted. No, plop, plop, plop. The Kurdish family came down on the floor. And we ended up, and this is, it, it sounds weird, but you have to understand the context. We started wrestling and tickling and snuggling. And, and look, it's, look it's not, that's not our normal ministry mode, and it's certainly not New England, right? <laughs> but it was Kurdish. It meant everything to them. Isn't that something I couldn't plan or strategize? It's not preaching the gospel, right? But they saw Jesus as a Kurd sitting on the floor. Isn't that beautiful? Wow, I love the Lord so much. The next encounter was a little trickier. So same trip, 
And God has shown us our assignment, a specific province on the Iran-Iraq border inside Turkey, known as the Devil's Triangle by the Turkish military, because it's kind of the, the Kurdish rebel nationalist stronghold. We're in our first overnight stay in a Kurdish home. As we got there, I'm an American, you guys. I got my gospel gun, right? And so we have our first meal. And at that meal during the day, I said, Lord, I'm going for it. And I, I got the gospel gun out. Ooh, I got my, my, I didn't get a chick track. But I got my gospel presentation ready. Right? Not a bad thing. I said, let me tell you about Jesus. Immediately, the head of the home, stop. We don't want your religion here. No, Jesus. We don't want your religion here. We are fed up with religion. That's all we get. And everybody religious, those Persians on our border, those Arabs on our border, those Turks who are running our streets, they're all religious. They're all Muslim. We don't want religion. And I'm thinking as an American Christian, Jesus is all I got. Wait, 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 wait. It's not that bad. Wait, hang in there, guys. Hang in there. You'll see. But the Lord shut my mouth. We keep going. We're loving them. We're just friends. We're in their house. We have the evening meal together. And then the men recline in the, in the living room. And my lovely bride, Yvonne. Isn't she beautiful? You guys can't see. I don't know if the glow goes backwards, but it's sure coming. Um, sorry, sorry. So God says, now, John. And I'm thinking, my gun, gun's empty, right? I got, they didn't want the chick track. No, John, tell them about me. Open the Psalms. And so we start in the Psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, David, the greatest praiser in the, in the Bible, Lord, is also the greatest complainer. You got to love that guy. Because he's so free with God. And as, as, as the Kurdish Muslims, they're 100% Muslims, are hearing about this God who is he receiving complaints. And David says, I love you, Lord, because you incline your ear to me. And they say, show us another one, John. And another one. And another one. For hours into the wee hours of the evening, they didn't want religion. They don't want religion. They want a God who is relevant, who cares about their cries as well as praise. Are you with me? It's so important, you guys. Really, John? Really? Really? Oh, I didn't plan that, David. So, <laughs> psalmist seed. Are, are any of you here are smokers, or are you too embarrassed to admit? Any smokers in here? Okay. I, I'm sorry, but I didn't mean to embarrass you, but uh, we're going to talk how important smoke can be, okay? Okay. We're in another home. Man, we're learning, we're growing, we're wanting to present a Jesus that can be seen, heard, and understood and relevant to the Kurds of Harkari. 
It's 12 o'clock. It's summer. The tradition of the Kurds in Kurdistan in the summer, it's the cool of the day, right? I mean, for us, it's like, it's the next day already. It's the cool of the day. They go out on the balcony. All the meals are done. The little darlings are in bed. It's adult time, and it's heart-to-heart time. And so the cigarettes come out. Men and women, it's a Kurdish culture. It's so crazy, guys. It's so different because we're together, and foreigners are out there, and they feel so comfortable, and they're smoking. And you got it, cracking, spitting sunflower seeds. This is gospel stuff, man. This is good stuff, isn't it? Because as we're out there smoking, I wasn't smoking. But if I, if, if I were, I were. I would have been. You got it. But I was sure spitting those seeds. But more importantly, my heart was like, oh, Lord, I'm so glad to be with my family here on the balcony. And as we shared the tragic loss of our son, each unit shared their tragic loss. The son lost in war. The daughter lost in war. Every family's lost somebody to war. That's heart to heart, you guys. That's seeing. It's hearing. It's understanding who Jesus is. Oh, God of all comfort. Oh, Prince of Peace. We're learning how to minister the gospel to Kurds. Eat and counter. We're in another home. It's 1 o'clock. Balcony's closed. We're actually, I'm getting ready for bed now. We're, everything's on the floor. It's a really on-the-ground ministry. Everything's on the floor. The table, there's no table, really. It's on the floor. Sleep on the floor. Even, dear brothers, and, you know, do the potty on the floor thing. No throne room, but it's whatever. <clears throat> At 1 o'clock, I get a call. I don't get calls in Hakari, Turkey, at all. And I look at it and it says, Erdal. Oh, good. I like that. That's nice. Uh, Erdal, what's up? He says, John, I'm sorry. And of course, I said, me too. <laughs> and then I, I inquired, what are we sorry about? <laughs> and he said, I have to ask you to leave. Kurds pride themselves as being an incredibly hospitable people, and they are. They will not let us stay in a hotel. They insist we take us, uh, to take us to their home. And this young man, he's in his 30s, is asking us to leave. And I say, okay, brother of course, or friend of course. Are you in trouble? Are we in trouble? Are the Turks watching us? He says, no. I said, well, okay, we'll, we'll leave this hotel. What's the problem? And he says, I have family coming from northern Iraq. Now, I wasn't hurt or offended. I was actually thinking, okay, God, you're showing me a very high value among the Kurds. Kurds don't want religion. They want relationships. The Kurds love guests. But they more greatly treasure family Family is everything to the Kurds. It's their identity. And I wasn't hurt at all. I was, wasn't offended. I gained insight. Family, family, family. You know, part of our struggle in America with the gospel, 
this is a one-person individual. You guys, I'm not picking on chick trick. Trick tracks. <laughs> chick tracks. But it's an individual thing. And our gospel tends to focus on that kind of person on the edge. And on that day, we gained another insight. Preach to the family. Speak to the family. Be with the family. Let everybody hear what you're talking about. Don't individualize the gospel. And I'm not, I'm not making that a general statement. But for the Kurds, that family value is something that we must hold dear. It's a God value in their culture, and I'm not going to break it. We're learning, we're growing every time. And i got to say this, every time we go to the Kurds in Hakkari, we get in major trouble. Our first trip, we were banned for three years. You guys were tourists. We're in the wrong area the wrong nationalities, and we're banned for three years. This is five years ago. You know what that does to my heart? It beats faster. we got to get back. we got to get back. They can't ban Jesus. They can't ban the word of God. They can't ban the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, bring us back. Let us get back. We go back, and... We were banned by God's grace because during that year and a half it took, not three years, there was war going on in that province and the Turks smashed the Kurds. And so when we went back, people that we knew whose homes we'd had been in were now showing us where their homes were. And the cry of the heart that night, <sighs> why are we cursed? Why are we cursed? Everybody hates us. We're cursed. Every time we seem to make progress, they hit us, either the Turks or, or the Persians or the Arabs. Why are we cursed? The Kurds are aware in their mind, in their heart, that they're a cursed people. And you say, John, you shouldn't talk like that. You're speaking negative. Brothers, 105 years ago, and sisters, 105 years ago, the Kurds were the cursors. They participated with the Turks in eliminating Armenians and Assyrian Christians. And we can't make light of that. Up to two million. God told Abraham and his offspring, that's us, I will bless those who bless you, but I will surely curse those who curse you. And so now we have a dilemma. Cultural things are, are, are fine when they're adjustable. I can eat sunflower seeds, right? I treasure family dearly. I, I love the floor. I'd rather be on the floor. But when you're talking about breaking a curse, we're getting beyond just the culture of man into the culture of God and the culture of Satan and an earthly culture that's wicked. And so, brothers, we are called to bring blessing where there is curse. Now, culturally, how do we do that? How do we do that? It is a unique thing in the teachings of Jesus among, I won't say religions, belief systems, in Matthew 5, when Jesus says, 
love your enemies. Be like your Father in heaven. Right? So our ministry is to make sure the Kurds know that God demonstrated his love while they were enemies. And tangibly, visually, so they can hear, see, and understand, we are calling on those who have been persecuted and cursed by Kurds, Armenian Christians and Assyrian Christians, to come. Come to Hakari, come to the Kurds. Be an ambassador of reconciliation. Tell them about Jesus, absolutely, but tell them in your heart, because God has forgiven you, so you will forgive them. So our situation is, is really strange, you guys. We are not allowed in Turkey, and I'm going to give God credit. Right now, God is not allowing us in Turkey. And you say, John, that's terrible. You can't preach the gospel. I cannot fully be a Kurd to the Kurds, but I certainly can help Kurds go to Kurds. And so God is setting us apart in northern Iraq in five months, we believe. Our job is to be among Kurds who are believers in northern Iraq, just south of Turkey, and to love them and encourage them, disciple them, nurture them, hurt with them, be community with them, build the trust where I can say to them, brother, sister, I'm going to lay down my life for Jesus, for these Kurds in Hakari, Turkey, and I want you to lay down your life for them too. Hakari, Turkey is militarized so heavily by the Turks, it is incredibly visibly intimidating. I am so glad, you guys, that we have the eyes of the Spirit and we can look up and see God Almighty, he is not intimidated. But it is very real. Kurds inside Turkey who love Jesus will not go to our province. Turks who are believers in Turkey will not go to our province because they're afraid of government repercussions. And I, I don't want to, I can't speak for them. But we must risk our lives. And I don't mean that like whatever it takes. You guys, we have a place in heaven. A throne room. I mean, we're sitting on the throne with Jesus. We're co-reigning with him forever. What are our worries? They who have never heard, seen, or understand Jesus are what Jesus is longing for, what he's waiting for. He will not come until the gospel's preached to every ethnic group. He promised Abraham in that same promise that I talked about, every family on earth will be blessed through your offspring. Peter preached that in Acts 3. Every family on earth will be blessed. And I know families that have never heard the gospel, never seen, heard, or understand who Jesus is in Hakari, Turkey. So, brothers, let's just, let, I'm going to finish now with this, a couple things. I love vineyard missions that wants to more than preach the word. We must preach the word of God. But it has to be done in such a way that Jesus is seen. Jesus is heard. And most importantly, Jesus is grasped. That's the living son of God. He's our only hope. Whatever it takes to be a Kurd to the Kurds, sitting on the floor eating sunflower seeds, uh, yielding to family, that call that night from Erdal, oh, do you have your phone? 
Little one, do you have your phone? Hello? Hello? Is anybody? Oh, do you have your phone? Okay, your phone's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I just want to see that phone one more time. Oh, yeah, we got it going now. Okay. Oh, yeah, thank you, brother. The reason why we had to leave, I told you, was family coming from, do you remember? Northern Iraq. My heart beats for that. If God won't allow me in, that's fine. Oh, Lord, we will get family in from northern Iraq into Hakari, Turkey. It's all the values. They can spit seeds together. I don't know. Maybe smoke together. Whatever they do together. Be on the floor together. And they'll see Jesus as a Kurd. They'll hear Jesus as a Kurd. And they'll understand Jesus as the Kurdish Savior, Kurdish Lord, Kurdish lover. I think I'm done. Isn't that good? Thank you. <laughs> Beware of just preaching the gospel, brother and sister. I'm not against chick tracks, but we have to take it higher. We don't want to be seen as a religious people with just a religious message. You guys, we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, the living God by his spirit indwelling us. They're in Booga Booga land, Hakari. They have not seen, heard, or understood. But there are many in America who have heard the gospel, but I'm not sure. Maybe Thursday mornings when you guys are giving food. They need to see and understand from our lives that we are truly committed to our Lord first and to them knowing him, whatever it takes. Can I pray and then just finish with one thing? Let's pray together. Father God, it's for Jesus. It's for Jesus. He's worth it. He's worth it all. We thank you, Lord God, that Jesus gave every bit of his blood to purchase men from every tongue, tribe, people, nation, men and women. And we thank you, Father, that those who have not yet known that purchase, that you long to set free, that you long to send labors to them, how can they go unless they're sent? And Father, in Jesus' name, I commit this beautiful Vineyard Fellowship, beautiful family here, to be a church that goes, as we've heard from Dick and Martha, but church that continues to go and goes to the edge, goes to the very edge of the unreached and continues to send and continues to cause Jesus to be seen, heard, and understood to the ends of the earth. I bless you for this fellowship. Lord, what a thrill to be here. But it's not enough. Jesus deserves more. Please send us out. Take our lives, Lord, as an offering. We want more offering. We want the nations as an offering to you, Lord Jesus. Father God, we bless you for Jesus' sake. Amen. Pastor Dick shared that we will be sharing afterwards. You guys were available. Personal, we'll show you pictures and heartaches and hard joys. Thank you very much, you guys.